Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, bienvenidos and welcome to Miha on the Mic, where me, Miha, interviews daughters of immigrants, immigrants themselves, and daughters of refugees who are making moves in their industries around the world. Today, I am so excited to invite radio and podcast host of one of my favorite shows, Latinos Out Loud. She's also a writer, producer, comedian, actor, and New York Latina voice talent extraordinaire, Rachel Strauss, aka Rachel La Loca. Whoop, whoop. Hola, mijas. ¿Cómo están ustedes? Hola, mija. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. This is so exciting. And it's so great to have another New Yorkina on the show. Let's go, New York in the building. We loud and proud. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was like, there's a frog in my throat. That was not very New York of me. Let me give you a better one. <clears throat> Actually, it might be more New York than you think. <laughs> I'll also give you a year. Okay. <laughs> it's giving New York radio voice, which I love. It's so amazing to meet you and also to have you on the show because we work together on La Cabina Telefonica for Spotify. Uh, Rachel voiced a number of characters on the podcast, including one of my favorites, Anastasia. But we're going to talk about the show, all of your voice acting and tons of other stuff so that listeners can get to know you better. We're going to start off with telling us a little bit about your culture. Tell me, where is Rachel from? What is her deal? She's La Loca, but where is the Loca from? Well, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out, Mija, because I don't think I'm from any of the planets that we know of, okay? Uh, but on my birth certificate, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and my family, it, we are a multiracial, mixed-race family that I'm so proud of. My mother is from La República Dominicana, Dominican Republic, and my father is from Brooklyn. Yeah, he's like as Brooklyn, uh, somewhere down the line, Russian, Eastern Europe. European Jew uh, mixed in this smorgasbord sancocho. So I like to tell people that I am Jew Dominican because I completely love and respect all of the cultures that make me me and my family who we are. And I celebrate both sides quite often. Uh, you'll often hear me talk about, you know, merengue, and then I might hit you with a mazel tov at the end, you know? I love so it. So <laughs> that's a little bit about me. 
what does that look like at home? Is that is it like bagels with mofongo? What is it? You got it. It's exactly <laughs> that. My whole life growing up, it's like, yeah, it's like pastrami sandwiches, maybe some arroz con gandules on the side. Uh, yeah, it was always these just fusion. You know, like that's the thing. You go to a restaurant. It's like, eh, it's like Japanese fusion, you know, but like in my house, it was like Jewish fusion and Dominican fusion. Uh, the cuisine was always banging. My mother makes the best, you know, like uh, pastelón de arroz, but she could also tear down and make some matzo ball soup, y'all. Okay. <laughs> that's amazing. Which is the Jewish penicillin, you know? So like it depends on the ailment. If I have an ailment that requires like un sancocho. You know what I'm saying? That like my abuela would teach my mother like with all the like home remedies and remedio casero to put in there or the situation could call for matzo ball soup. You never know. You never know. And your mom learned both and she was able to kind of pass that on to you. That's amazing. Yes, but I'm not such a good cook, mija. I'm going to tell you right now. Like, I try, yo trato, trato, trato. But I just, I, I could bake, you know what I mean? And maybe I can make a chicken schnitzel here and there. But, <laughs> but like, my mother definitely owns the rights. She's got the bragging rights to all the cuisines that, you know, we eat and enjoy in the household, for sure. That's amazing. And I, I would like to know, like, what feels the most like home to you? Because... Obviously, being a New York Latina, but also being of Jewish origin, it's like huge mix. So what is Brooklyn is the most home like to you? What, where do you feel like I stay in mi casa? I do feel like Brooklyn is my home. Yes. I always tell, you know, the saying, like you could take the girl out of Brooklyn, but you can't take the Brooklyn out of the girl. And this Brooklyn girl, I mean, the Brooklynisms just kind of come out. Forget about it. You know, there's one. But like, I do feel me siento en casa en Brooklyn. And actually, mija, it's because in Brooklyn, there's so much diversity. You know, I mean, New York City at large is a wonderful city. I love my city. I love the diversity that it presents. But growing up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, I really got to see un chin de to. My, my friends to date, we are a melting pot ourselves, okay? And I appreciate that. And I want my children to appreciate that too. So although I'm residing on the Upper East Side of New York City right now, Brooklyn is in my heart and we go to visit grandma and grandpa almost two, three times a week, I would say. Um, and I want them to experience that diversity. You know, to add to the mix, no pun intended, my two boys also have Rican in them. So they're little Jew mini Ricans running around here. And I want them to see not only like in media and everything that they consume, I want them to see themselves, but also in our daily lives. I want them to know that this is this is the beauty this is the fabric of new york city this is how we got each other's back because we're all so different but also so much alike oh man i love growing up in new york for that reason because everyone is so exposed to all these different cultures but there are some things that you know sometimes clash i wonder if there's anything between the two cultures that you had in your household where sometimes it was like no my way is better or you know how were there any little things that would cause disputes i mean how see Ay, Dios mío. And the, where do I start, mija? Okay, so I'll start. Dame el chisme. <laughs> Yo tengo el chisme. I got the tea. I'm sipping on coffee, but I'm going to give you the tea. Okay, so like I, I know dating back to when my parents even hooked up, okay? Can we start there for sake of timeline? Um, 
back then, as I, I've been interviewing my parents, Miha, uh, you know, as podcasters, everything that like I love goes through this mic. <laughs> my kids, my parents. Uh, I have hours and hours of audio footage because their story is it is just incredible. Their love story, their story of interfaith and intercultural uh, marriage, all of that. So I started interviewing them and they shared with me that when they hooked up and when they decided to get married, both sides were like, Oil and water. Que no? Oi, Gavolt. No, this is not going to work. What do you mean you're going to marry a, a Catholic who's from the Dominican Republic? I don't even know where that is on the map. You know, and I'm I'm so exaggerating, but there was clashing from both sides of the family. And y los Dominicanos are like, ven acá. Ese judío con los ojos verdes, tú te vas a casar con él. Ay, que no. You know, my grandmother was like over my dead body type stuff, you know, because. <laughs> oh, wow. Just clashing. But they did it anyway. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Julieta. Totally. It's more like, actually, it's like, it's like uh, uh, Moishi and Julieta. But, you know, <laughs> they made it work. And I just loved how the family saw that love overcame. Love what was, it is what was at the core. It still is. 54 years later, they've been married. Yeah, but love is what taught all the families that this could work. This can happen. And three children came as a result of it, whom are loved and embraced by both sides of the family. Now, back to the clashing. Absolutely. There's times where, like, I'll go to my tia's house on the Dominican side, and she's like, Ah, pa tu ta muy gorda. You know, like, oh, tu tiene. You know, you're eating too much platano maduro. But then I go to, like, my aunt's side on the Jewish side. It's like, oh, you're too skinny. You gotta eat. What's the matter? Matter with you, you gotta eat some more gefilte fish or something. So yeah, there's clashes of cultural, I guess, uh, understanding what we should look like, how we should act. I find a happy medium. You know, I somehow always land in the middle, where it's like, okay, I can embrace the colors of the Dominican flag, but I also have the Star of David and my name in Hebrew tattooed on my back. You know, there's always been in my head, I think of like, oh, I did check all the boxes. I am representing for everybody. Um, but of course, there were further clashes with like language. You know, my mother told me stories about that when she first uh, met my father. She didn't know English, but he was studying to be a Spanish teacher. So he knew Spanish, but it was more like, hola, como esta, quiere ir a la película conmigo type accent. It was Anastasia. <laughs> it was like the character. That's where it came from. Oh my gosh, that's the inspiration. We have the backstory now. Now you oh know. <laughs> now you know how I became Anastasia in La Cabina Telefonica. Yes. That's so cool. I want to get to Anastasia, but I want to ask you one question before that. Um, what is the role of Spanish in your life? Because I, I always ask that to every Latina in the US because it's always a different, complicated relationship depending on whether your parents felt proud of their language, if not, whether your parents are mixed or not, whether, you know, you were able to speak it in your neighborhood at all. So what is Spanish to you? That is such an interesting question. I have to give this a little bit of thought before I give you my spiel. So yeah, the language, mija, is, a, you hear a lot of people say like, oh, just because you don't speak Spanish doesn't make you any less Latina or Latino or Latina, A, A, E, X, Y, Z, however you, you know, call yourself. There's so many terms now, mija. Pero Spanish for me, was important 
across so many different facets of my life. Okay. One, I made a career uh, for a long time in marketing, a multicultural marketing. So I was working for people in Espanol magazine, which is in Spanish. So this half Jewish girl had to read in Spanish and, and recite and write advertorials and all the marketing stuff that we did in the department in Spanish. So it made my father very proud, you know, the Jewish Spanish teacher. And it was something that I had to use every single day. But Omija, I must be honest, now that I'm not working in that space, it's like it's not as fresh. I, sometimes I can't find the word and I feel a little less Latina. I'm like, eh, my God, I don't even know how to complete this sentence right now because I'm not using it on a daily basis like I once did for my career. But the language is so important to me. I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I didn't want my kids to do like how grow up how I grew up. The lessons from the Spanish teacher or the street slang from the Dominican family when we go to visit. So I really want to ingrain that in my my kids. Spanish is super important. It doesn't define how Latina or I am or my Latinidad, but it sure does make it feel better. You know, when I'm able to go to my mother country, when I'm able to go to DR, which we're planning to do uh, over Christmas for the first time with my kids, I want to, I can't wait, mija. I can't wait to go to La Casa de los Dulces in Santo Domingo. See, I'm such a, I have such a sweet tooth. I'm heading straight to Helados Bon, which is the ice cream chain in the country. And then La Casa de los Dulces in La Capital, which is where they sell all the dulce de leche, dulce de coco that you can imagine. So teaching them Spanish and exposing it to them is very important to me. Nowadays, I'm in New York. Everybody speaks Spanglish, you know what I mean? So I, I have to work on it. Like, I don't want it to, to dissipate. I don't want it to, to leave because I feel like it is an important part of my culture. I appreciate the language. I don't know how anybody else feels about it, but uh, it's very important to me. And communication, too. You know, this is how the Dominican family sometimes operates, too, like, Yo tengo familia que they've been living here for decades and they don't really feel the need to fully speak the language. My dad never learned it really. Because <laughs> they're still living in their cultural enclaves of Washington Heights and Inwood and the Bronx where everyone alrededor is speaking Spanish, you know. But uh, I hope that answers your question. I feel like I went all over the Spanish language map. No, yeah. because it... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really is that. It feels like a map and everyone kind of finds their place in it depending on their relationship with, like, even their own feeling about how well they speak it, too. Like, I remember growing up, my brother and I, we spoke different levels of Spanish. Like, my, my Spanish, I it was my mother tongue, but by the time my brother was born, I spoke English, and so we spoke English together. And so he started speaking English more with me, and he would be on the bus with my mom, and he would replied to her in English and she would reply in Spanish and people would look at them like what do you <laughs> that's incredible pick a language how, how do here? you understand yeah. each other what how do you understand each other but yeah but that's I mean it just depends on like how you end up dealing with the language personally but it's so interesting how you want to pass it on to your family and something that I'm, I'm curious about is you know how are you doing that how are you passing it on to the next generation so much of this show so we started this show four years ago now um, and it's all been yeah it's and it's been about like the questioning around how you can pass culture on on like generation to generation across borders across time you know three generations out will your kids really have that relationship with dr will they have the relationship with the jewish heritage you know and like the fact that you have to ask yourself that is 
it's a privilege that we have that we can be like, okay, maybe I want to pass this on and I can do this and I have the you know power to do so. But like, how do you do it? Right. So I'm curious, like, how are you kind of exposing your kids and, and you know, that next generation to your to your background? I think there needs to be a conscious effort made, you know, uh, to your point, a lot of these lessons came to me organically growing up, just simply off of visiting family and hearing the stories and la sala, you know, the oral traditions being passed down, but that's not taking place too much anymore. Diantre, we had a pandemic that took away years of visiting and hearing stories from our elders, uh, you know, just uh, social media, like we're just not visiting our families the way we once did. We're FaceTiming with them for crying out loud nowadays. So I make or I try, mija. God is my witness. I try my hardest to evade that like technological part of it, that technology element and go back to the roots sometimes. Go visiting family. Listen to those stories. I don't mind hearing them again, you know, from my mom or my my tío, who's a historian, who's a Dominican historian, a published author. Those are the people that I want to see. And I want my children to hear them too. So there's that. The art of storytelling, which you and I love so much, don't we? There's also these museums. You know, I'm in New York City. Sadly, there's not this like Dominican museum that I sort of love and have in my head. And, you know, I'm breaking ground on it and maybe a decade from now myself, uh, it'd be nice to have a museum of Dominican heritage, but there's other institutions that celebrate Latino pride. And I take them, you know, there's the Coqui club for little kids at El Museo del Barrio here in Spanish Harlem. Um, there's all these cultural celebrations around the Dominican independence time. We, we went to the parade. Mommy marched in the parade. Mommy was an ambassador for the Dominican Day Parade. I have that thing behind me. So I explained to them what that means. You know, what does it mean for mommy to be marching on Fifth Avenue celebrating Dominican pride in a city where Dominicans just became, you know, the number one uh, Latino um, segment? So it's important for those little bits and pieces to like come together so that I can formulate the story that I'm trying to teach them and pass on to them. Uh, what else do I do? Actually, I mentioned something before that I'm doing for the first time. I'm really trying to save my pennies and take all of us to DR this Christmas. They have not been yet. You know, the boys, they're eight and five. And for me, it's been a few years too. And I am tired of going to like these weddings and staying on campus. You know what I mean? Like, mazel tov to everybody getting married. Okay. Felicidade. Pero for me, it's kind of important to experience the culture while in DR and going off campus. You know what I mean? I have to put together a whole itinerary and everybody's going to have to put on their best walking shoes because we're going to like Forrest Gump DR. We're going walking sticks, Ito. We're going to find all those amazing places that, again, just make our history so vibrant. And I want to share that with the kids so that they can share it with their kids and we can keep this thing going on and on and on. One thing I want to ask you is who in your life has impacted you the most? So, you know, would it be your family member or someone that you, you spoke to as a child that really inspired you? Because, you know, you're La Loca, Rachel La Loca, and you're now like a storyteller and you're a voice actress and you do so many beautiful things with your voice. So, you know, was there who was the person that kind of inspired you to take the stage a little bit? Because we're often taught, you know, girls are to be seen, not heard be quiet. Don't necessarily be too loud. 
but you're not afraid to do that. And so I'm, I'm curious, you know, who inspired you? Do you know? I think there's a few. I, I want to shout out my dad, you know, my father, who was a junior high school Spanish teacher, always pushed me to, to speak, to say what I want to say and to get on the stage. My mother, too. My mother and father, I have to give them tremendous shout outs for empujando me, allowing me to, yeah, do the, like you said, the girly stuff and the not so girly stuff uh, and for allowing me the liberty to do that. But then I also take it back to influencers in the comedy space. Uh, when I was little, Mija, uh, you know, I often get asked, like, why did I venture down the road of sketch comedy? Sketch comedy, first of all, is not such a playground for girls. There's not that many of us out there. So when I saw them, uh, when I was little, they became my heroes. And they being Gilda Radner and, you know, even Amy Poehler, um, Tina Fey, Molly Shannon, uh, the SNL girls that I saw in the 80s when my brother was babysitting me. So basically the deal was this. On a set, picture this, Brooklyn, 1980-something, right? My parents would go out on a Saturday night. Eddie, watch your little sister, make sure she goes to sleep at a decent time. Yeah, 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 ma, don't worry about it. Have a good time. See you later. All right. Parents are off at the Copa, Copacabana, or wherever they went. And my brother would say, okay, Rach, you get to stay up late but you got to watch Saturday Night Live with me. And I'd be like, okay, I don't know what that is, but let's go. So I was seeing these characters like Eddie Murphy portray Gumby, you know, and I didn't necessarily know what all the jokes meant, but I saw these this characterization. The people that were introduced up top in the opening credits look completely different during these sketches where they brought us into this incredible imaginary world. How many voices do I do during the day? I impersonate every family member. I love putting on my mother's clothes and her shoes and my dad's shoes and wigs. And I pretend to shave in the bathroom with my father as a kid, pretending I'm a little boy. Like all these things that I didn't really know why I was doing. And my classmates were like, yo, this chick is loca for real. Actually, it was just, it was part of that influence that I saw growing up and the desire for me to also move the needle for girls in comedy. You know, all those girls that I saw doing it, like the ones that four mentioned, I was like, they're breaking barriers. And I'm going to try to figure out how I could do the same thing in my own little sphere. When I found you as a creator, I was so excited to work with you for La Cabina specifically because I felt like you really embodied Latinidad, but also like that blended New York experience. And hearing you talk about it, it's just... Thank you. Like, I know where it came from. Like, it's so genuine. It's not it's not like something that you're putting on. It's something that really comes from the heart. So I really want to talk about how you've been inspired for your work as an actress. And we can talk about Anastasia and La Cabina. So just some backgrounds. The character was written as Gringa Cabaret Dancer Girlfriend. That was it. <laughs> but you brought her to life. OK, you brought her to life. She was the girlfriend of this one character that we had written in, Senor Gonzalez, an elderly gentleman who starts dating her after his wife dies of cancer. She's supposed to be one part cliche, one part basic. But you added the best part, which is that she's heartwarming and kind. And you did it so well. This character had so many dimensions because of you and because of what you brought to the table as that voice. And, um, you know, we're going to play a clip. P, P, Pe, Pero, wait, Pero, doesn't that mean dog? No, Pero, Pero, poor fa 
favor, no day ace, a two papa, solo. Just don't, just don't leave him alone. I love it. Yeah, no, and seeing that you speak Spanish, how did it feel doing that in character? Like playing the kind of girl who doesn't speak Spanish, who's trying really hard to speak Spanish to like tell someone that they care about them. <laughs> how did that feel? Mija, I had so much freaking fun. This was a really unique challenge because I felt like I was doing the opposite of what I usually do, right? Which is get on camera and be proud of the Latinidad. But this time it was like, no, Anastasia, Anastasia, no, like get, you know, get rid of that accent. There's no Latinidad here. But I, when I was reading the script, I kind of felt bad for her. You know, I had a little bit of sympathy, empathy for her. I really felt that she wanted Senor Gonzalez to live out the rest of his years happily. We all know those people who lose their significant other late in life or whenever it is. And I'm sorry to say, but we need, we, as humans, we need companionship. So I felt that. I felt that void with Senora Gonzalez. And then there were those episodes where him and his daughter were, you know, fighting over this. And I, I almost got mad at the daughter. So I wanted, right? Like I wanted Anastasia to convince her to really pull at that heartstring because I felt that. If I were Anastasia in real life, I'd be like, girl, like, I love your dad. Like, I know you can't see me. You're hearing me in this cabina, but I'm trying to communicate in this handwritten letter that I worked so hard on, even though you speak English, which was so funny to me. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> the script was just so lovely. It was so much fun. She was like, you know, I speak English, right? <laughs> oh my God, you guys, if you have not heard La Camina Telefonica, I promise you, I'm not just saying that because the creator is opposite me right now <laughs> over virtual uh, this meeting, but it is so good. If you want to listen during his Hispanic Heritage Month, it will be featured. Um, I have a few more questions. Um, I do want to ask you about any other role that you would want to highlight of your acting work, because I, I know you've done quite a lot of different things, but I couldn't pinpoint anything else that, you know, maybe you would want to share and you say, like, this was a role that I really, really appreciated that they can check out. Oh, oh, goodness. This is where I get all like shy. I'm like, oh, my God, you want me to shout out my projects? OK, shout Aww. out, shout out Latinos Out Loud for sure. It's my one of my favorite New York podcasts about Latinos. Like I tune in systematically. Thank you so much for saying that, by the way. Latinos Out Loud is my baby. And what we share in common with Miha is that the Webby Awards have also recognized us. Shout out to you guys for being mentioned. And we were also uh, a 2021 and 2023 Webby nominee for Best Comedy Podcast, which is just, I'm so appreciative. Other projects aside from Latinos Out Loud. Yeah, Michelle Rojas is not okay is another podcast series that I was cast on. And that was in partnership with Broadway Video and Audible. And I play a few characters there too. And the podcast series stars Dasha Polanco and um, eh, Ruben Blades, The Kid Mero, D Nasty. So many great comedians and performers. So check that out. It's everywhere. Um, a couple of other things you can see me on. I mean, I'm proud of some of the stuff that maybe 
you know, came and went. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring something up. There was a beautiful special on PBS called COVID-19 from performers to spectators. And it was uh, an in-depth look at certain performers based in New York City and how their careers had to take a strong pivot because of the pandemic. And so I was one of the featured artists and that's out there on PBS, on the arts channel and on the website, on YouTube. Um, and then, of course, there's Bring the Funny. I love my comedy projects because, I, you know, I get to be Rachel La Loca, uh, unquestionably, undoubtedly. So uh, Bring the Funny is streaming as well. And that's on NBC and Peacock, where my multicultural sketch comedy troupe that I was a part of, Room 28, was a contestant. And we performed a very funny Latino sketch called Pitbull is my house guest, where Pitbull was uh, one of the actors' house guests because they went to high school together. But the thing is, living with Pitbull is that he comes up with a catchphrase about everything. So imagínate. <laughs> Check that sketch out. I love it. Thank you so much. And now we're coming to the end. We do a speed round of questions. So just answer like as quickly as you can. Don't even think about it, okay? So number one, what language do you swear in when you accidentally touch a hot plate? Spanish. What's your favorite food? It, uh, pizza. Song you've had in your head this week. Oh, gosh. It's a Danny Go song. Um, uh, it's for little kids. It's called, Cause Summer is for Chillin'. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's so annoying. I bet it's in your head right now. Summer is for Chillin' by <laughs> Danny Go. Look him up. He's a great artist for kids. Okay. What's your last Google search that you're comfortable sharing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I am not comfortable sharing this, but I can't tell a lie. <laughs> I look, I broke out in this like skin rash on my shoulder. Oh no. So I've been I've been self-diagnosing myself after looking up what this like skin rash on my shoulder is. I've diagnosed myself with everything. Uh but it's okay. I, I actually went to the dermatologist and we're good. It's just a, a an allergic reaction to something. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> so WebMD. <laughs> okay, so next question. What is your most embarrassing dream? Oh, oh. Right away. I mean, I went to a special high school in Flatbush, Brooklyn that I had to take a test for because this guy thought she was going to be a doctor. Meanwhile, I'm squeamish. I can't even see the sight of blood. But truth be told, all my friends were going there. So I applied for the medical science program. I got in because, you know, this girl is smart. Just saying. Um, and I cannot be a doctor. I don't know what I was thinking. No way. Like the money sounds nice and the doctor license plates and all that, but I could never stick somebody with a needle. What are you nuts? I could barely stick myself with anything. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking. That's hilarious. Yeah. A doctor. You'd be a really funny doctor though. If you were, <laughs> I could be a doctor if I didn't have to do anything with blood or teeth or bones or private parts or feet or hair. Or do the job of a doctor at all. <laughs> like <laughs> Basically. Yeah. I can't clean up after any of those things or caca or number one. So if you find me a doctor position, I'll go to school in my forties. Great. But I can't do any of the above. <laughs> all right. That's it. Thank you so much for your time, Rachel. Tell us where we can find you. Yes, Mija. Thank you so much. You can find me across all the socials, los redes sociales, at Rachel La Loca. It's the Jewish way of spelling it. R-A-C-H-E-L. Some people are A-E-L. 
not me. R-A-C-H-E-L, La Loca, L-A-L-O-C-A, across everywhere. And I'll give you my phone number if you want. It's 978-LATINOS. Yes, 978-LATINOS. Give me a call. No big whoop. I'm here to talk. Uh, and yeah, you can find me on the Upper East Side. You can also find me performing in New York City. So please check out the socials. I got a show coming up in November. I got a couple of holiday shows coming up. I'm going out to Washington, D.C. to represent for us Latinos during Hispanic Heritage Month or Latinx Heritage Month or whatever you call it. Latina, E-X-Y-Z. Uh, so follow me. Catch me if you can. As they say, I'm catchable. You're catchable. You're catchable. One last thought for the mijas out there. What's your advice to mijas who are scared to take the leap and start talking on a mic or going on a sketch comedy or doing their art? What is your advice? If it is in you, mijas, you must let it out because keeping it in is not healthy. And we want to hear what you have to say. We the world. Everyone wants to hear our stories because they're so colorful and beautiful and unique to us. So why wouldn't they want to hear it? I was terrified of the mic and public speaking. People don't really know this about me, but when I started my corporate career, I was always the girl like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to talk in the meeting. No, 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 no. I will equip you, the salesperson, with everything you need. But me, the marketing girl, no, 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 no. I'm going to be in the back. And I would turn red, as red as this shirt, if somebody would call on me in the boardroom like, Rachel, why don't you share the statistics on how many toothbrushes Latino households have on average? And I'd be like, uh, er, uh, eh, uh. But then I don't know what happened, mija. Something just overcame me where I was like, no, this fear is bullshit. This fear is BS. And if I don't speak my peace, my brilliance, no one will ever hear it. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel. This is amazing. Thank you. Lori, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. This is Miha on the Mic, a season of reflection on our shared experiences as daughters of immigrants. Over the next couple of weeks, I'll be sharing stories like these and inviting guests to share theirs. Follow us on Instagram at Miha Podcast, that's M-I-J-A Podcast, and leave us a note if you like this story. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This is a production of Studio Ochenta, a Latina-owned multilingual podcast studio dedicated to raising voices across cultures. For more from Studio Ochenta, follow us at Ochenta Podcasts on Instagram. That's O-C-H-E-N-T-A podcast with an S on Instagram. P.S. Don't forget this season is also about you. If you have a story you'd like to share or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, I invite you to reach out on Instagram at Miha Podcast and leave us a message with a short story or memory of yours that warms your heart. We'll read it out loud on the show. Hasta pronto. Ciao. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never before heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. <laughs> 